0: I'm your host, Kiri Masters from Bobsled Marketing, and today I'm joined by a colleague and partner, Kathy Kimple, who is the Chief Retail Officer of Fit for Commerce, a specialty e-commerce and digital consultancy. She has over 30 years of experience in retail with a focus on retailers, brands, and grocery, covering digital strategy and store operations, registry marketing, tech selection, and organizational design. Welcome to the show, Kathy.
1: Hello. Great to be here. Looking forward to uh, chatting about the Omnichannel Retail Index.
0: Yeah, we had a pretty robust pre-interview chat about all things going on in the industry, hiring, what you're seeing. I always enjoy catching up with you and Fit for Commerce, along with a few of your other partners, have put together a really interesting report recently called the Omnichannel Retail Index, which has a long history. Maybe you want to share a little bit of that. And I'd love to dig into some of those lessons with you today.
1: Awesome. Love to. The index was designed to take pulse on how retailers are delivering on the omni-channel promise. Believe it or not, we started the index, it's hard for me to even imagine, back in 2015 in conjunction with NRF, the National Retail Federation. We noticed then that the retail landscape was changing really quickly And we wanted to start to benchmark new tech driving customer behaviors. We wanted to look at features and functions on websites. So we built the index, which is now in its sixth year. And what we found really powerful about the index is we've been tracking uh, largely the same number of retailers for six years. We've been tracking features and functions, and it gives us a benchmark on which to see. What things are gaining traction? How different retailers are performing and what they're adopting, and we're looking for things that we deem as omni-channel best practices. And at some point in time, we also mark some of the features and functions as just basic table stakes. Mm -hmm. Point noting though, when we look at an index, we do an adoption rate score, and our adoption rate score this year is averages at sixty-two percent, not off the charts but up substantially from uh, last year, which we can talk a little bit more about in a bit.
0: So what is the adoption rate measuring, the tactics that you recommend in general? Sure.
1: What we look at is we look at between 250 and 350 features and functions on a website. So this is a qualitative index. We'll look at the features and functions and say, do you have facets? Do you have filters? Do you show inventory availability by store? Do you have Bopus? Oh my goodness, do you have curbside? And we go back through and do all, you know, yes, no's. So really the adoption rate is on a scale of potential 250 yeses. How many of you check the box on that? Yes, I have this feature. And we label those features as what are table stakes? What are best practices? We also look for things that might be innovative. A few years ago, that might have been live chat. Now we're looking at chat chatbots. So we then have this data on 250 features and functions that we can filter and sort to web, mobile, cross-channel, or store. We can filter them to be, are they customer service-related features and functions? Are they marketing features and functions? And we've tried to keep them over six years consistent so that we can see, oh, You know, two years ago, 4% of the index had curbside. You know, now I'm going roughly 65% of the index have curbside. So we are tracking the trajectory of features and functions and how they're growing because adoption rate also starts to play back to what's the customer expectation. If a customer is shopping on the web and digital or Omni, then they 95% of the time in their shopping, they are finding this feature. They're using this feature, and a particular retailer or brand doesn't have it, may have a customer disconnect or a pinch point. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So it's a benchmark of the sort of essential table stakes, if you will, and and those things get added to and taken away over time. Is that
1: exactly? And we look at, we benchmark between 100 and 150 retailers across 13 verticals. So by vertical, home improvement, department stores, jewelry and apparel, toys and games. So we're benchmarking across 13 verticals, somewhere between 100 and 150 retailers. Our consultants who are ex-retail practitioners, that sounds so official, actually do the benchmarking on web. We actually go into stores. And we try to keep this grouping of the 150 retailers fairly consistent. So again, when we're looking at year over year trends, you know, it's statistically meaningful and we don't have a lot of noise in the data that we've flipped in and out retailers. Yet, if there's somebody new and emerging, we add them to the index.
0: Yep, makes sense. And what are there some new tactics or new features that have made the list For the first time in the past year or two, like live streaming video or like, is there something substantially new that hasn't been on the list before? I don't
1: know if I could say there's something substantial. I think what we're seeing is a movement, a substantial movement in some features and functions. So I'll give you a bit of data. So for example, when we talk about adoption rate of mobile features and functions, a year ago, the adoption rate of mobile was 57%. This year, the adoption rate of mobile was 71%. So hold that thought. And then this year, yeah, when we looked at store, a prior year was 59% adoption rate. This year is 75% adoption rate. In the six years of the index, we have never seen that kind of leap. And we do believe that leap is retailers accelerating All of their digital initiatives around mobile and store because of COVID, you know, that, and where I think we've seen innovation and change because of COVID are the obvious things like Bopus and Curbside. But the little less obvious things that I think retailers during COVID started to really wake up and appreciate are some real tactical things on their website, like. the importance of content when people couldn't go into stores. So suddenly we saw scores on some of the content elements going up dramatically. The importance of ratings and reviews when people are relying more on digital than ever before on research. The other areas of emphasis became very noteworthy in this transition that happened and that acceleration that happened with COVID.
0: Hmm. I actually really... I love this point because it's so easy to, there's all kinds of new gadgets and tools and features that are coming out in the e-commerce world. And it's easy to get distracted by those. But what you're talking about is kind of good old fashioned content optimization and CDP selection and optimization and kind of Absolutely. This like- table stakes kind of stuff, which a lot of brands and retailers have slept on for a long time.
1: We use the term, actually one of my colleagues, we use the term brilliant basics. You know, are you, you know, do you have the brilliant basics? And they really do make a difference. You know, the shiny new innovation is important, but some of the innovation that we see also comes back inventory visibility in this last year. And now more than ever, you know, when you talk about what's new or trending or we're seeing taking off, you know, there I haven't been on a call recently where or watch TV where someone wasn't talking about the supply chain and, right. you know, the supply chain challenges in the States are extreme right now getting goods in to L.A. But then you could take that now a step back. And when we again go to the index, we're looking at, you know, for folks that have physical stores, you know, how are you messaging, this is in stock, this has inventory availability, this has inventory availability, it's a store near me to make it easier for the customer to determine their shopping. And that has been very, very powerful and probably became important during COVID and has escalated in importance even now.
0: Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and especially going into Q4 you really want to know that toy is in stock before you make the trip out to that store. Yeah. So given that most of the listeners to this show are on the brand side, sure. I know that your research, 80 out of 100 companies that you looked at have stores. Can you share some of the top opportunities for brands that are operating their own website?
1: Sure. I think the thing that we've studied is when we look at the index and the other thing that we do with the index is we use this to help inform our clients of where they are as a benchmark, where their competitive set is, where the industry is. So they can understand, because there is nuance from vertical to vertical, but the one there are a couple of things that just always are consistent. And you know, clearly it's optimizing search and navigation. You know, optimizing search is one of the Im- most important things you can do on the website. Most retailers and brands have implemented basic search functionalities, but there are still opportunities to enhance search and navigation, as well as fine tune search results. And we believe that, you know, can have a significant impact on conversion. So I'll give you a couple of uh, stats from the index. 97% of the retailers in the index, so of the 100, have auto-suggest search terms. That sounds pretty good. Only 33% were previously searched terms. So again, it's where, you know, how can you further hone and improve your performance there? Only 50% include images and search suggestions. So you've just got this opportunity there to really up your game. 83% offer alternatives or suggestions on empty search results. So there's no dead end. So you know again. So it's if you're not doing that, you know that's an immediate okay fix. This. So one of the things we try to do with the index is educate, but really uh, you know help identify for our clients where's the low hanging fruit on mobile. Fifty three percent have persistent navigation when scrolling down. So again, it's all about improving conversion, improving usability, and then we talked about inventory availability for brands that have stores. It's more critical than ever and having that ability to filter results on the plps and the pdps are very important right two other things i would say to look at is you know again they're not this sexy innovation but (laughs) it's elevating customer service 88 percent of the index have live chat but only 43 percent offer it in the cart Hmm. and only 32 percent show customer service information on empty search results pages. So again, you know, it's really looking using the index to find ways to drive more business. You know, where we're seeing things happening is an SMS text is, you know, one of the most popular communication methods now, but only 27% of the folks in the index are using customer service via SMS. So tons of data that, but the data isn't just data, it's data that can help drive action.
0: Yeah, I can see that. And do you have a sense of what the opportunity in either conversions or profit margins or revenue is for these fixes to be made?
1: Yeah, it's really hard because a lot of times the client will say, all right, I see I've got 15 fixes here. Is each fix worth one percent conversion increase? And I, and I wish yeah. we had, a, I wish we were that good that we could tell a retailer that. But what we do know is it really depends on brand vertical. On average, for example, we see a three x conversion boost for customers when they start really focusing on search optimization. So really honing that is a no brainer. Customer service helps remove friction, and again drives conversion. So it really depends retailer by retailer. Hmm. The other thing that we do to help retailers is we look at the gaps. And it, in some cases, they may have a gap in execution. And it, it's a feature or function that is resident on their ECP platform that they just haven't either aren't aware of or haven't requested or haven't optimized. What's so there's lots platform? of opportunity. Sorry, e-commerce platform.
0: Okay. Gotcha. Right. Right. That's really helpful. Yeah, that a 3x conversion increase, that's so definitely nothing to sneeze at.
1: And there's a tremendous amount that we do with clients when we're doing a, a site audit or working on you know, further gap analysis on where's the reporting that they can do within their business to make sure that they've optimized search, to make sure they've optimized the site experience. So there are some tools in their toolbox that will help them understand. Mm -hmm. We did work recently with a client that we looked at their top 10 items and then where did they appear in search results and their top 10 items were on the equivalent of page 3 of search. So there are are techniques and tactics you can also do to drive more revenue.
0: Very good. So if I'm a sales or marketing leader at a brand – I should also be thinking about not just my own site and the the optimizing search and navigation there and mobile optimization, but also how my retail partners are, are performing in those areas too, maybe nudging some of them into the 21st century. So how might leverage these findings to have some crucial conversations with my retail partners?
1: I think it's the same thing. It's taking these findings and looking at the areas that are you know, the best practice, the, you know, the table stakes, looking at your retail partner websites and saying, you know, are they implemented there? Talking to your retail partners about what's on your roadmap, Mm. you know, to improve search, what's on your roadmap to improve navigation. And then if you're a brand, how can you help your retail partner with, you know, let's talk about content. You know, do we have the right content on the site to guarantee conversion? You know, is that content getting viewed? Is it set in the uh, most efficient manner? Because I think there is a huge piece on content right now that can also have an impact.
0: Yeah, and I would definitely suggest sending this report along to retail partners who are not familiar with it and some of the pathways that you've used to actually benchmark these retailers as well. It might be some sort of benchmarking that folks could do themselves. Indeed. So again, I'll link up to the Omnichannel Retail Index in the show notes of this episode. You can also find it at fitforcommerce.com. Fit for Commerce is a partner of Bobsled Marketing. And Kathy, before you go, three questions for you. What's exciting you right now in the world of e-commerce?
1: The pace of innovation and change. I think the pace of change is And I've been in digital since 1999, pace of change. I always thought it was fast and every year it gets faster. I think the other thing that excites me is at one point we talked about e-commerce, then we talked about multi-channel, then we talked about omni-channel. I don't think there is anything anymore about channels. I think it's about customer experience and shopping. So I find that tremendously exciting.
0: I agree uh, 100%.
1: And I think that's a pivot. I think Mm -hmm. some organizations still struggle with that. You know, there are still the find our way through some of this channel conflict. But I just love the fact that uh, people are open, people are testing, things are changing. You know, even the tactics on delivery and some fulfillment is just amazing when you talk about, you know, same day delivery, delivery in 15 minutes. It's mind boggling.
0: (laughs) What's one thing that you've changed your mind about?
1: It's really about, again, it comes back to change and how fast people can change and pivot. And we've seen that in the last two years. I think the the barriers are coming down and people have suddenly realized that they can, almost like some e-commerce, think about the days of e-commerce startups and the startups were so fast and you had retailers that were like, oh, we can't move. We can't do this. And I think that's changed in the last two years, we've seen people move at a tremendous pace and get things done and get things done on their roadmap. And maybe that's a little bit with, you know, let's test with a minimal viable product and get things going. And I think people are a little less afraid to test and more emboldened to test.
0: Yep. There's no excuse any, anymore. Those excuses are, you've run out of time.
1: No. no, but anybody who's been in retail or a brand has lived with the you know, resources aren't endless and mm-hmm. roadmaps have to be prioritized. So, you know, when you ask the question about, you know, ROI and payback, that comes up in everything we do, mm-hmm. comes up in the, in the index. So it's not, you know, everybody has infinite resources, but people are finding ways to get things done. Yeah. And new providers are emerging, you know, constantly to help with that.
0: Yep. Tell us a little bit more about the work that you do at Fit for Commerce and the types of clients that you work with?
1: Great. Fit for Commerce is in its 14th year. We are a boutique consultancy focusing on everything e-commerce, digital and omni-channel. We're really focused on helping businesses accelerate growth through digital. That sounds pretty simple. We manage, we work with retailers, large, small. We work with brands. We do strategy work. If we look at what we call the pillars of a digital business, we look at merchandising, marketing, content, operations, org, P&L. We do a tremendous amount of strategy work. We have a technology side of the practice. So when we talk about when we're working with a client and there's a gap, we try and find ways to bridge that gap and help a client find a provider that's just right for them. We don't write code. We don't sell software. We're all about finding solutions to help our clients grow and drive their business. We really look to be their trusted advisor, worked with hundreds and hundreds of companies. And our consultants are folks who have, we call them ex recovering retailers, they're ex-practitioners. I've worked in stores, I ran a distribution center, I launched digital and ran digital for a number of very large companies. We've got consultants who've been ex-CIOs, consultants who've run marketing, so that we can bring a a practical approach of, we've sort of walked in the shoes of our clients, so we understand their pain points, and we think we can help solve them faster due to that understanding. And our approach, I guess I'll wrap up by saying our approach is what we call digital diligence. It's based on gaining a deep understanding of our client's business across key functional areas to ensure success. And we are very data minded, which is why we launched this index six years ago, because we really believe that data can help guide and help prioritize and make great decisions. So we are very data minded as a company. And having been in business for 14 years, we've got other benchmarks and other insights that we bring to bear when we work with clients.
0: Love it. It means that you're not going in blind with solution providers, getting a second opinion. You're all very scary smart consultants with a lot of, lot of experience. So yeah, proud to be a partner of Bit for Commerce. And thank you for coming on the show, oh, Kathy.
1: It was a pleasure. Love working with you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye bye.